so we turn to scripture and our first reading this morning is from the book of Genesis, chapter 22 and it's verses 1 through to 14. That's also on page 22 of the Church Bibles, story of Abraham and Isaac. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham? Here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried a fire and a knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's remain seated as Diane brings a further reading. So we are going from the first book of the Bible to the last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 1 verses 17 and 18. This is John speaking of his vision of Jesus. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Jesus, may we see you, may we know you, may we receive you as we gather around your word together this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Now, as uh, many of you will know, it's my privilege uh, to head up the youth ministry here at Christ Church along with Gary and uh, an amazing youth team, uh, all of us volunteers. And throughout the week, um, we hold many youth meetings, youth gatherings, and we get through a lot of material, um, a lot of different resources, often sourced by Gary. And we're often left thinking, you know, the whole church needs to hear this. It's it's really, really good teaching. And last summer, uh, we took the young people to Soul Survivor Youth Camp. A lot of you would have heard of that because we came back and um, uh, led a service and a lot of young people gave testimony. It's a really special evening. But um, when we um, came back from that youth camp with uh, a resource called Storylines. And Storylines is written um, by Mike Pilavachi and Andy Croft, who head up the Soul Survivor Church in Watford. And it's an amazing resource. It talks about how there are different themes that run all the way through the Bible, right from Genesis through to Revelation. And um, I'm going to share a little of um, uh, that resource with you today. Um, we're going to talk about one of the most, uh, the most exciting, the most wonderful storyline, and that is the story of Jesus. Now I'm guessing that many of us have heard the saying that Christ in the Old Testament concealed and in the New Testament revealed. Have you all heard that? A few, few nods? Okay, and that is true, um, but as this um, study teaches us, They haven't really done a really good job of hiding Jesus in the Old Testament. He is everywhere. He is all over it. There are 322 messianic prophecies um, pointing us to Jesus. And that's talking about his coming, his birth, his life and his death. And there are also many characters throughout the Old Testament who foreshadow Jesus, who point to Jesus. And so we're going to look at two of those characters this morning. We're going to look at Joseph and Abraham. So we can read about Joseph in um, the book of Genesis, chapters 37 through to the last chapter, 50. Um, He's the the favourite son of Jacob, uh, and he is the second youngest brother of 12. Now Joseph was born to rule. He had that dream, didn't he, of the sun and the moon and the stars representing his father, his mother and his brothers bowing down to him. Not well received by his family, but we'll look at that in a moment. Jesus um, was also born to rule. At his birth, the Magi visited bringing three gifts, gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And that gold signifying that Jesus is King of Kings, he is Lord of Lords, and that his kingdom will have no end. So both Joseph and Jesus, born to rule. So back in the Old Testament, um, rather than um, calling a family meeting and discussing Joseph's dreams around a table, um, his brothers decided to sell him into slavery for 20 silver pieces. Jesus was also sold, betrayed, by one he treated like a brother for 30 silver pieces. And I'm told that if we take inflation into account, that is the exact same amount. Joseph is tempted 
by Potiphar's wife. Jesus is also tempted by the devil in the desert, something that we will be reflecting on over this period of Lent. And also thinking of the, um, the prayer course of Peter Gregg, it's, we, will, we will be thinking about um, spiritual warfare. And so Jesus defeated the devil using the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. He stood firm on the promises, stood firm on what the Bible says, and the devil, devil fled. But so both Joseph and Jesus tempted, and neither of them abused the power that had been entrusted to them. Both Joseph and Jesus were unjustly sentenced for crimes that they didn't commit. In prison, Joseph came across two fellow inmates, two prisoners, and he told one of them that they would be set free. Jesus hung on a cross between two criminals, one either side of him, and to one of them he turned and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. On his release, Joseph was put in charge of the whole land of Egypt, second in command only to Pharaoh. Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated on high at the right hand of the Father. When Joseph's brothers later came to Joseph, kneeling at his feet, Joseph had the power and the authority to punish them, to sentence them for what they had done to him. But he chose to forgive them. He forgave them and they were blessed. His brothers and their families were blessed with the land, the best land, the most fertile land in Egypt in this time of famine. Jesus offers forgiveness to everyone. And whoever comes to him receives life in all its fullness and life everlasting. You see, the story of Joseph is a hint. It's a whisper. It's a very loud whisper pointing us to Jesus. And our second story is of Joseph's great-granddad, Abraham. And Paul read the story earlier of, of Abraham and Isaac. And it's a very disturbing story. It's a very uncomfortable story. You know, God, our loving God, telling a man to, to go and kill his son. Just doesn't really sit well with us, does it? But actually, Abraham didn't have to sacrifice his son. It wasn't about that. This story is pointing us to something else. And the first clue is in verse 2 of chapter 22. When God tells Abraham, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. What does that remind us of? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. What about when Jesus rose up out of the waters of baptism in the river Jordan and he heard the voice of God say, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. That father-son relationship, the only son, the beloved son. So God tells Abraham to take his son to the region of Moriah. Where's Moriah? If we take a map of Abraham's time, and we take a map of Jesus' time, or a map of today, and we superimpose it upon Abraham's map, we will find that Jerusalem is built in the centre of the region of Moriah. So God is telling Abraham to take his son, his only son, whom he loves, to Jerusalem, 
and sacrifice him. So Abraham and Isaac load up the donkey and they travel to the region of Moriah, to Jerusalem. They arrive at a place where Isaac is to be sacrificed and Abraham takes the wood on which, Abraham is going, on which Isaac is going to be sacrificed and places it on Isaac's back. And together they walk up the hill. Isaac, carrying the wood on his back, asks his father, Father, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answers, God himself will provide the lamb. God himself will provide the lamb. As Abraham is about to sacrifice his son, about to slay his son, God tells him to stop. Abraham looks up. He sees a ram, not a lamb, a ram caught in the thicket. He takes the ram and he sacrifices the ram in place of his son. And Abraham calls that place, the Lord will provide. About 2,000 years later, Jesus, God's son, his only son whom he loves, rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. The wood of the cross on which he is to be sacrificed is placed on his back. Then Jesus, the Lamb of God, walks up the hill where he is sacrificed for the sins of the world. Could it have been that very same hill that 2,000 years ago Abraham was prepared to sacrifice his son on? I think it probably was. Again, this is another one of many Old Testament characters revealing God's plan to us. It's pointing to Jesus. And there are many characters, as I said, 300, well, there are many um, prophecies, there are many characters and there are many prophecies, as I said, 100, we get our figures right, 322 prophecies throughout the Old Testament which point us to Jesus. So what does this mean to us? Two things. Firstly, Jesus is always there. That's good to know when when we're thinking about spiritual warfare as well. Jesus is always there. From Genesis right through to Revelation, he is there. We read in Revelation 1.17, the Lord tells John, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. Jesus is always there. And he commissions us, doesn't he, in Matthew 28, to go out into all nations, baptising all people, making disciples of all people, baptising them. And his promise to us, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. He is with us always. He will never leave or forsake us. So that's the first thing. Secondly, as we read through the prophecies proclaiming Christ's birth, his life, his death and resurrection, and when we read the stories of the Old Testament characters with understanding, understanding that they are also pointing us to the the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, we can be reassured that what happened to Jesus wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't plan B. What happened to Jesus happened as God had planned it, right from the very beginning. And why? Why would he plan to do that? Why would he plan to put his son through that? It's because he loves us. He loves you and he loves me. He looks at us 
And he says, you're worth it. John, God says you're worth it. Diane, God says you're worth it. Ray, God says you're worth it. Jean, God says you're worth it. Lorraine, God says you're worth it. Molly, God says you're worth it. Let's just pause for a moment. Let's just pause and close our eyes. And let's picture God saying to each one of us personally that we are worth it. All that was planned, all that has been spoken through the scriptures, every thorn, every nail that pierced his beloved son's flesh. God says that you and I are worth it. Let's just pause and just take that in for a moment. And now, in the silence of our hearts, we simply say thank you. Thank God for his unfathomable love, for his promise to be with us always. Tell him what that means to you. Tell him what he means to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, in response, let's affirm our faith in God as we stand together and join in the words of the Creed.